Visit Arcade Club, Europe's largest classic arcade, with over 200 video and pinball machines. There's classic consoles and computers. There is also PS4s, Xbox Ones, Wii U, PC, and Oculus Rift, and regular tournaments and competitions. All machines are set to free play. Open Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Check out arcadeclub.co.uk for more details. Tenpence Arcade are proud members of the Throwback Network and the Retro Junkies Network. Hello, I am Marland, Victor Marland, and this is a podcast about arcade video games from yesteryear. Welcome, listeners. And I am Holly, Sean Holly, and apart from arcade games, in this podcast we regularly end up talking about a diverse variety of baked, unleavened, flour-based food products, commonly termed biscuits. We are not entirely sure why that is. Well, as we usually do, tell us what you've been up to, Sean. Tell the listeners what you've been up to. Well, listeners, I'm Vic. I've had an absolutely awesome couple of weeks. I've been to the Batcave Retro Games event in Blackburn. The theme this time was Street Fighter type of games, but there was a few shooters. They had Judgment Silver Sword again there, which was a Wonderswan shooter that is on Steam. Oh, right. A, won- a Wonderswan. You know you could turn the Wonderswan to portrait. To yes, I've got, I had two of them, actually. I had a black and white one and a colour one. Fantastic. And also, they had a proper bar there, like a mini bar set up with two, two barrels of booze, and they, they themed them for the event. So one was called Donkey's Barrel, which is which had a little Donkey Kong sort of logo on the front, which was a beer. Very cool. And there was an IPA called Double KO, which with a little Street Fighter symbol on it. Hadouken! Yeah. No, maybe not. And I like that IPA. I'm not normally into IPA, so I had a few of them, and I had a little takeout. They give me this jug of beer, the lovely guys. So I drank that as well. Oh, nice! Very nice. Very Sounds nice. good. So yeah. does it? I was going to say, does it theme the Bat Cave? Does it serve bat themed drinks? No, not bat themed, or, or cave based bar snacks. What would that be? I don't know. Do you know you can get them crisps called Burger Bites? Do you get them down south? They're well, you used com- to get them years ago. I haven't seen them for a long time, though. Still get them up here. Okay. And they look they look a bit like rocks, so that could be something to do with a cave. Yeah, asteroid snacks. Mm. <laughs> Anything else you've been up to? Yes. Go on, tell us. Oh, right, yeah. I had so coy. <laughs> I had a very good night last night at Arcade Club with Charlie Farr. There's a new... A new old stock arrival at Arcade Club, the awesome Gravitar. Oh, nice one. Okay. Yeah. Lovely looking game. I've never really been very good at it because it's very difficult to play, isn't it? Well, I only ever played it. What did, where did we go? Was it Steve Bonehead? Steve Bonehead one. Yeah, he had one. And that's the first time I've played it in the in a proper cab. So me and Charlie Farr got well into this last night. And we were, we're doing okay by the end. And it's good when you get a new well an old game that you both know nothing about so mm. you you finding out the bonuses and the strategies with no youtube you know no previous experience of the game so it, we were on that for probably three hours on and off right. Re- really enjoyed that it's it's it is tough it's got a reputation for being tough isn't it mm, nice one mm. that's good anything else before we get into my negative thoughts Yes, I've interviewed Craig Turner from Retro Revival Events. Mm. I've said that right this time. Well done. Or, no, I haven't. Revival Retro Events. Okay. 
And I've got an interview with him at the end of the show, so wait for that, listeners. Yeah, pop on so, at the end. After our goodbyes, listen on, and you'll hear that. Yeah, it's very good. So me, I've been in extreme pain with this sciatica I've got. Oof. So down the left hand side of my leg, and my legs are my legs really sore. I'm a bit of back problems as well. So it's not good. I've on all sorts of painkillers. I was on codeine for a while. Now I'm on tramadol, and that's quite a strong one apparently. And it, funny thing is, it, it's not too bad when I sit down. I'm going to stand for more than five minutes, really? and it's, it's still a bit sore when I sit down now. But maybe I'm just idle. Mm. Saying so that, I've been busy on the mega tech tip. And also the tinkering recently, which I shouldn't really have been doing because it's probably making me worse. But the things I do for the ten pences, mm. <sighs> someone's got to do it. Tinkerings. Also, a secret console extreme mod that's going rather well. Uh, after some serious prototyping, I've been up to. I shall release that to the tinkering page when I when I get a chance to do it. When I finish it off, I've got to make a new one now because I'll finish with a prototype. I know what I'm doing with it. And it'll be on there before long, hopefully. I've got to get some more metal from work to make a new one. I've so seen a picture of it. It's yeah, a metallic looks... one. Is it aluminum? Aluminum. Aluminum. <laughs> yes, definitely. Uh, nice. Vippers was round earlier, and his wife, Kerry. They mm. were round for this weekend, because my wife had a birthday weekend. And some drinking going on last night. Not for me, because I'm on all these painkillers. I was quite sensible. Actually, I didn't drink at all. Very good. Also, you know I was going to do a Pi to Jamma hardware review? Yes. Well, I'm not really going to do one. Because no. I had this piece of kit which enables a Raspberry Pi to play emulators directly on a Jamma arcade machine. Mm. So it goes directly to a low-res screen, which is a Jamma screen. And it's, it's a very good piece of kit, but I just couldn't get on with the software because I don't know anything about Linux. And it uses Linux. Obviously, it's on a Raspberry Pi 3. Yeah, and I was helping out the the guys who who, who were sort of in, uh, making this piece of hardware and the software, and we were trying to sort of battle out where what we wanted to do on there and what they wanted, and you know, sort of help out with the design of the front end and stuff. And I just don't know enough about Linux to give it a good hard go, really. And they're still sort of developing the software. Now the actual hardware is perfect. You plug it in, and it just works. There's no mm. messing about. There's no video uh, sync problems, there's no lag at all in it, and there's no external hardware to use to display on the screen. It just automatically works on a 15 kilohertz screen. So it's an absolutely brilliant piece of hardware, but I can't really give an honest review of it because the software isn't really nailed down to what it should be yet because there's going to be all sorts of different revisions of the software because some people yeah. want to put console games on there, some people want to play vertical games on a horizontal screen and vice versa. Or some people might just want to play horizontal games on a horizontal screen. And then if they've got a vertical screen, they want to turn the menu round to play vertical games on a vertical screen. So there's going to be lots of different iterations. And also there's a console version. So you can actually play console games on your arcade machine, which works for some games. But obviously I'm, I'm just into the arcade parts. So I wouldn't want to play console. So I've, what I've done is I've actually sold the hardware to Lewis because he wanted another one. And yes, it was it was quite expensive. It's 129 euros. So I sold it mm. to Lewis. Lewis was nice enough to buy it for the same price. So I'm not out of pocket at all. But what I might do in the future is that when they do eventually sort out the hardware, the software, sorry. So it's all sort of plug and play. You know, put an image on a on an SD card, plug it in, and it just works. 
I might do that in the future. And because I did like the idea, it's such a small little unit and it just directly plugs in. You can just whip it out, put it into the machine and off you go. So obviously in the future, when I get one, I'll do a proper review on it. I was speaking to Lewis last week and he says, he says, I thought you'd grab this, you know, from Vic. And I thought, oh, no, there's all sorts of problems with it. He says, no, is it? it's lag free it's working fine it's just a software yeah so I, yeah I, I thought there was other things like resolution problems and no not at all i was playing on my vertical my horizontal pony machine at the moment i've got bosconian pcb in there original bosconian and i played bosconian on the emulator through the pi to jammer and you could not tell the difference it was that mm. good the screen was perfect it filled the screen obviously it had the scan lines is on original monitor. There's no tearing, no lag. The game was absolutely brilliant. It works really nice. The sound all works perfectly because it's got a little onboard amplifier as well, which goes to your, your speakers on your jammer machine. And it was absolutely perfect. I think it's probably the best, most authentic way to play arcade games on a machine apart from a PCB. Even though it is emulation, right. it's very, very close because it's so close, you know, without all the lags and all the little, little niggly bits you get with with MAME and stuff. I think it was really, really good. But the front-end part of it and the game list and all that sort of stuff needs to be sorted out a little bit better yet and made easy for idiots like me who can't use Linux. I haven't got a clue mm. about Linux. It's very, very different from, from Windows or Mac, which I can deal with normally. So hopefully in the future, we'll get some, get around to doing that again. Mm. It's something I may may look into then. Yeah, definitely. I think I think in the, in the future it'll be a lot better. It's just going to need to get that software, the front-end sorted out because... At the moment, it's sort of it's they've got different themes and there's loads of stuff going on. And for me, I just wanted to have one thing, download it, run it, and it just works perfectly. At the moment, there's so many things going on. I was getting confused about where things and they were updating stuff, and it's just not for me yet. I don't think. But I've also yeah. been in my spare time. I haven't been playing the game so much. I played a bit of it earlier, but I haven't really had a lot of time because I've been too too much pain, and also been trying to do this. The tech tips, which is uh, building the Cabaret Arcade machine. And it's very, very difficult when you've got sciatica. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I've been doing quite a bit of that lately. Mm. So that's about me, really. So uh, overall, a, a bittersweet couple of weeks for you then, Vic? Yeah, the, the pain is pretty bad, actually. It's been very difficult to work for me. Because um, mm. I stand up quite a lot of work. I don't really sit down. I've been sitting down when I feel bad enough, but it's been quite painful. And one day last week, I actually had a day off work, so I took the bins out in the morning, because it was at the bin down Wednesday, I went to get in my car, and I just couldn't do it, I was such agony. And it's the only time my wife's ever said to me, she's seen me in that much pain before, I was actually making noises in the night, because it was so painful. It's alleviated a little bit now, and I went to the physiotherapist the other day, but they can't really do much at the moment because I'm in so much pain. They need to wait until it sort of wears off and and heals itself a little bit before they can start moving my spine around to to get rid of the... It's just a trapped nerve, basically, but it's a big nerve. Right. Harumph. What you need for inspiration is the Rocky Four training montage video where he works through the pain. He's doing press-ups with one hand. That's got to be painful. I couldn't even do a press-up with two hands at the moment. He's in a barn lifting cows over his head. It's fantastic. You just get that inspiration. You'd work through the pain. You'd have that arcade machine built before you could say something quite long. Okay, I'll ignore all that and we'll go on to... Arcade news. 
First bit of news is a bit of bad news. Masaya Nakamura, supposed granddad of Pac-Man, he was the boss of Namco, has died at a ripe old age of 91. I think he had a good innings, don't you? Yeah. And Namco is such an awesome company as well. Yeah. So rest in pixels, Mr... What would you say? You say Nakamura-san. Nakamura-san, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Shame that. And... This news changes every day, but at the moment, the heart of gaming... Yes, Hog. Hog is not going to be opening in Shepherd's Bush, the, the, re, the reopening. They're now going to somewhere in East Croydon, mm-hmm. and the latest post I've seen off of Mark Starkey says they're opening on the 4th of March. So oh, that's quite not too so- far away, is it? Quite soon, yeah. Yeah. Croydon. How far is that from you? Uh, about an hour, because my, my, mother, my mother-in-law lives in Croydon. Right. I'm not sure about East Croydon, but yeah, it can't be that far away. So next time I go and visit her, I'll, I'll poke my nose in, have a look. Mm. Good luck with that. Seth Young has broken the Death Waste world record at the Galloping Ghost Arcade with 41 massive points. Have you seen this? Yes, I did I did watch a bit of it earlier. There's, If people aren't familiar with Death Race, it's a 1976 old TTL game. I used to have one, uh, and I sold it recently. And it's basically a very, very simple game where you, you drive a little car around and you run over these little these little mutants that are running around. And they, they're sneaky little fellas. And it's a very low-scoring game because you only get one point for hitting a, a bad guy. And the game is only, I think, 60 or 90 seconds. You can, you can change the, the game time from 30 to 60 and 90 seconds with an onboard pin. Mm. And I'm not sure what it was, but he's got 41 points. And that is a massive score because I think the best I ever got was 23. Because what happens is when you kill a bad guy, it leaves a little cross on the screen. And if you run into a cross, you crash into it, and it takes you a little while to get off the cross. So yeah. you've got to reverse off of it. So that screen must have been full of crosses. Mm, it's very clever how did it. Yeah, yeah I bet. Because they, they, the little guys, there's two of them at a time, and they run around in, in little sort of random patterns, but they, they can evade you. When, you. when you're going for them, they know you're coming, and they try and get out of the way. Sneaky mm. mutants. <laughs> when the, this has raised a question for me, you know this this board is it nineteen seventy seven? Did you say seventy seven? And it definitely seventy six. And it uses pins instead of dip switches, really. Yes. So when you might know this, when did dip switches first appear on PCBs? I do you, do you know? No, well, it's, it's got to be nineteen seventy nine. Is asteroids and asteroids has got dip switches. Yeah. So, yeah, late 70s, I'd have said. Yeah. Because it's just an electrical component. A dip switch is, is like a switch, a tiny set of switches, like four, eight, six switches, and it's mm. on an off state. But on, on a death race, there's three pins sticking up, and there's a wire with a, 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 a an opposite pin, a hole. So you put it on the pin, and that makes a connection. So it's like a sort of physical switch where you have a pin on or off. It's just like a jumper pin on, on, a, on, a, little, on a motherboard, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, just an old-fashioned way of doing it, I think. Yeah. Anyway, next piece of news, kind of news, I've put a couple of these would look good on your wall, Vic. Have you seen them? Yes, I have. These are the game shadow boxes. They're like 3D pictures that people have made with arcade themes, and I reckon a Turtles or a Dig Dug one would look lovely on my walls. Mm, or an Amadar one would look really good, wouldn't it? On your wall. <laughs> yeah. Faced against the wall so I couldn't look at it. There's a Street Fighter 2 and there's an old Pong one in, set inside a TV set. It's awesome, isn't it? Yeah, they're like 3D kind of cardboard things. Yeah, yeah really, really well. 
Yeah, look really good. So if they'd like to do a Turtles in a Dig Rug one and send them to me, thank you very much. Yes, we'll give you a shout out and send us stuff. That yes. sounds fair, doesn't it? Stuff yeah. is good. We like stuff. This is a the bit m- of a. I'll give this one a ping, actually. The main, the main project, project. Yes. is 20 years old on the 5th of February. Yes. How awesome was that? And long may it live. So that was 1997, and it is no coincidence that I got my first PC in 1997 i got it i got into pc gaming because i'd heard about mame oh really yeah oh wow yeah so i think when i first booted up mame it's oh god what did it have about 20 games or something well it started off as a pac-man emulator yeah when i got it i think it had like galaga miss pac-man a few very few others but Mm. yeah followed it since then yeah absolutely brilliant i've been following it a long long time at least 10 or 12 years myself so yeah absolutely brilliant yeah it's it's good for obviously it's good for us gamers but it's a historical reference as well and it's good for fixing fixing pcbs and stuff as well isn't it yeah because you can use the roms to to repair eproms and reburn eproms and stuff like that you can Mm -hmm. even you can even dump out eproms and use them through main to test them on emulated hardware I've mm. actually done that before, so it's quite clever the way it, it works. Very clever. So this is awesome. a new one to me. I didn't see this in the notes. Konami unveil Bomber Girl at the JA Epo 2017. What's this? Tell me about this one. The Japan Amusement Expo. Every time they have, every time, sorry, every year about this time they have the Japan Arcade Expo. Yeah. And so they sort of get the games before all us Westerners. And there's Bomber Girl. <laughs> Which is the first sequel to a Bomberman game since they're, they're saying here Neo Bomberman on the Neo Geo in 1997. First official one. Anyway. Wow! Oh wow! That's interesting. Bomber Girl, cool. And, and it says the twists for Bomber Girl include the characters being female, obviously, and mm-hmm. offering four by four player play in the arcade. You are focused on taking out the enemy's enemy team's base before they destroy yours. So you're not blowing up the people, you're blowing up their bases. Okay. Sounds a bit like um, Tank Battalion, where you've got to blow up her base. Mm. Oh, nice one. Sounds interesting. Yeah, so Bomberman lives on in female form. Mm. Mm. Next one, 8-Bit Flip announced this year. I think this is the third year, and it's going to be at our cl- arcade club again mm-hmm. on the 15th of 16th of April. That will probably be on the floor too because there's no room on the proper arcade floor. Oh, nice one. So check that out, kids. There'll be posts and all stuff happening about that, I would imagine, pretty soon. Now, this is some RGP news. I only got this this morning. And this was for immediate release, apparently. After mm. dunking biscuits in cups of tea, of course. That's what James said. <laughs> yeah. This is from James RGP. I get tons of video clips I record. I never have time to edit into long f- format proper videos. So I decided to start a vlog. This will have videos uploaded much more frequently than the main channel. The main channel will stick to producing completed, properly edited videos about board repairs, his events, etc. And the second channel, called RGP2, will be raw, mostly unedited, off-the-cuff, run-and-gun Gonzo style as it happened videos a much more voyeuristic film because YouTube won't let him have a custom channel URL until he's got 100 subscribers on it the URL is stupidly long so he's linked it from the main website if you go to www.retrogamesparty.co.uk forward slash vlog you can get on it from there and we're going to give this a shout on here because James has lots of interesting videos it'd be good just to see all the ones he does mm. 
In other news with James, Phoenix, his little Phoenix arcade cabinet, is going back south. I wonder where that's going to go to. Who to, pray tell? Me! It's going to me, and he's going to be getting the Pac-Mania. Even though I do like Pac-Mania, it's going to be played a lot more when he takes it to his event, so I think that'll be get to everyone that way. Mm. I let Vip play that earlier yesterday, and he remembers it as being Pac-Man. When he was a kid, he always thought Pac-Mania was the original Pac-Man, because he's a lot younger than us. Uh, Obviously, it was later on, and he loved it. He had a good go of it. He got like 100,000 points, and he did really well on it. Great little mm. game. So yeah, Brilliant. that's that's going. He's also said water goes in a cup of tea first, not the milk. I then, don't agree. I, that's nonsense. You can put milk or, or water in, it doesn't matter with tea. Then tip it down the sink, make a cup of coffee. Ah, I thought you'd say that. Yeah. And he also said there's a rumour a barcade might be opening up north. No prizes for guessing which two idiots are involved in that. Ooh. Ooh, hopefully find out a bit more in a later day. Mm. Have you got any arcade pickups? I have. Have you? I've got two, if you count them, them, them sort of separately. Look at this, kids. I've got some new slippers. Wow, they're like moccasins. What, and yeah. How are they related to this podcast? Because I'm wearing them and I am related to this podcast. Okay, they've got a lovely interior. They're a brown kind of moccasin with a tartan interior. Look at that. Is that tartan or is it just checkered? That's more like a, a gingham, I'd say. <laughs> What's a gingham? It's the thing tablecloths are made out of. Oh. Gingham, yeah. You well, said you had two. What's the next one? Or is it just the other slipper? It's the other slipper. You idiot. That's good, that, isn't it? It's very, they're very warm and comfortable. Right. I haven't had a lot of arcade pickups either, actually. But stuff that related to arcade making equipment... Oh, so right. I've got a new router table for my old router to be attached to. I had to victorize this cheap old table because it was a pile of junk when I bought it. It's nasty. So it's now half respectable. I've squared it up, put pinholes in it to square the table up. I've made it much better. I've made things more accurate, better fitting, stronger, better. So that's a word now, victorized. Victorized. When you when you engineer something so it actually works how you wish it to work, <laughs> not the cheap way they, they intended it. It's not as flimsy either. Also bought a brand new hand router to replace the old router that I didn't have an on-off switch for. So that's going in the router table because it's got its own switch, you see. Mm. And a few lovely assorted console carts and also a hex inverter chip. What is that? It inverts hex. Right. It's to make a multi-cart. Never mind, it's a chip anyway. Hexadecimal? Something like that. I don't know. It's a little chip that does something or other when it's attached to a cart. I don't know. Ooh. Other than that, I haven't really got any arcade stuff lately. I've slowed down a little bit, which is unusual. But next time, hopefully, I'll be getting a new Phoenix machine. Or a new Can old I- Phoenix machine. Because I used to own that anyway. That used to be mine at one point. I want it back. Mm. Mm. How are your slippers or moccasins? Don't wear, all right? don't wear them. Do you not wear them? No, I just go foot commando. Do you not get cold feet? I wear shoes or socks. I get my feet are cold all the time. That's why I wear them all the while. Getting old, isn't you? Mm. Never mind all that. Let's insult someone in a Victorian way. Arcade Victorian insults. Hello, I understand.
on that, on bust occasion, Neil 1637 was forcibly enclosed into a mahogany casket for his choice of game. I believe that the game in question was that little fellow with a disfigured rear side. It was indeed. The vulgarity in question was hunchback. Neil was batty-fanged thoroughly before <laughs> interred into his box. I concur. The punishment fitted the crime. He certainly is a mutton shunter. Yes. Listener feedback. Okay. So, Benson Rad, listener number four. Personally, I think save states are a bit unfair competition, in my opinion. I think of playing for scores, it should be kept old school. Ten pence in, and when that credit runs out, game over. I also think looking up any tipped gameplay videos prior to going for scores is probably cheating as well. I can see the flip side, though. Lack of time for people, lack of real hardware. There are a lot of variables involved, as everyone has different setups. Who knows, playing it on MAME with a PlayStation 1 controller might give an advantage over someone playing on a real machine or playing it in coin-ups on an Xbox. Hell, the only time I've ever entered, I use a keyboard to play. I think the scores in the challenges are all fun and for good-natured and some fun banter to be thrown in the mix. What I'd really like to hear is Sean using his catchphrase more when he wins. Ha-ha, in your face, always makes me laugh. Mm. And on the topic of Rogue One, the Star Wars film, going to see it this Sunday. Now that the audience will be nicely thinned out and it will feel like a personal viewing, I think the last one that came out had 12 people in the cinema. Looking at it, currently only 12 people booked this Sunday, rather looking forward to it, so you can have an empty cinema to watch Rogue One. On the topic of the Switch, Nintendo Switch, normally I have no real interest in modern stuff until it's about five, five years old and nice and cheap. I watched Alex Chucky Egg's Switch launch video today, which really sold me on it. Looks damn fun. Keep all the good work, chaps. Mm. Here's Jimmy. I think that I found out what Sean was up to before he started the podcast. This website bears all the markings of Mr. H, uncanny. And it's that one we've looked at before. It's called nicecupoftea.com. And it's talking about biscuits. It tax, certainly is. The taxonomy, taxonomy taxonomy, of biscuits. Or the nomenclature of biscuits. Yes, and it is quite funny. We've covered that one before. It is a, it is a funny site. I, talking about I Am Jimmy, mm. I have modified I Am Jimmy's Space Invaders 2 joystick shaft. He sent it to me because it was an M8 thread on it and he couldn't find a white ball-top joystick knob to go on on the M8 thread. And normally they're M6. So what I did is I turned down the M8 thread and re-threaded it with an M6 die for him. Wow. Yeah, and he sent me a bunch of stuff for that, which is nice. We'll talk about that later. That's clever. So Rob, play a missile. He got a resonant ping. An honour, he says. I think deterministic movement was the key. Was able to learn the patterns. This is on Amidar. Mm. Tagster was also super happy with his ping. Mm. And Neil25 has put, I had a deterministic movement this morning. Most satisfying. <laughs> Do you know what he is? He's Hashtag a mutton clenched. shunter, don't you know? Yes. Vippers. Turned Charlie Farr into a Terminator in our 10 pence t-shirt photograph. Did you see that? Yes. He made a gif out of it where he turned Charlie Farr into a robot. Mm. Was it a gif or was it real life? You never know. Mm. Oh, we've got one here. Tagster again. Great podcast. Looking forward to the next Victorian insult. So when is Vic getting his Amadar wall mount cab? He's, he's goading you there. He's goading me. He's going to get insulted. Victorian insult. styly. He wants an insult. He's going to get one. <laughs> Bang him right up with an insult. 
Bill Kendrick. Whoa, the Amadar bonus music seemed to end in a jingle I recognised from Ness Life Force, which is also called Gradius. I listened to it again, and he's right. Mm. It's a little ditty in there from, from Nemesis, or Gradius, whatever it's called. Darren Dominations put great listen on the way to work. I'm not sure if he means us or he's just listening. Yeah, listen to things going on. Yeah. Great listening to things. <laughs> Alexis Crowley, which is Alex Chucky Egg, looking forward to listen in his van tomorrow. Van. That's how he says it. Van. Van. Matthew Bridges put, I agree with Vic on this one. Amidar was horrid. Yep, he was right. Mm. Paul Monaghan. I played that Amadar at Nurg after you, Sean Holly. That's Maximum Paul. Maximum Paul. Mm. Stacey King's put, you should listen to the giant bombcast this week. There's lots of arcade chat. I haven't I haven't listened to that one, have you? No, I haven't, actually. Arcade chat is always good. Mm. Ninter- Nintendo Arcade again. This is Alex again. Fantastic mm. podcast, guys. Really enjoyed that one. That has been after we'd listened to it in his van. 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 Andreas... <laughs> Underscore uh, AUT. This is from DLF, one of our yeah. one of our European listeners. And he saw the Amadar picture and put a thumbs up, smiley face. Thank you for that, sir. Mm. John Singletary, loving the podcast as always. Please don't angry by the modest television goodies I promised you haven't arrived. It will happen. He was going to send me some cartridges and he hasn't yet. I forgot all about those. In the meantime, I will gift you with the best commercial ever. We've put a link up for this. Have you seen it? I have, yeah. Basically, yeah. there's a, a guy struggling to push an arcade machine on the back of a pickup truck. And in the background, there's a huge avalanche coming. It's in like Canada or something. There's a huge avalanche coming. He's got to hurry up. And his mate's saying, just let go of it, mate. Sell it. Just let go of it. But what he could have done, his mate could have helped him push it on the back of the truck. Mm. But then someone comes along and buys it off him and, and wheels it off. And then the avalanche comes down. It's a great little, little video. It's good. Yeah. Chris CMP. Really enjoyed this episode, and the featured game loved the music. The variance between the two level types and the deterministic movement patterns Mm. meant I improved each game, and I could tell I would keep on improving if I played more. This is Amadar, obviously. The deterministic movement also means you never felt like you died unfairly. I thought that. For the bonus banana levels, I wrote out a little table for the first three levels so I could nearly always get the 5,000-point bonus. Ah. Oh, have a banana! <laughs> if I change one thing, I would make the bananas worth less points, maybe a 1,000, as they make too big a difference to your score compared to the points from the main levels. Oh, interesting. Yeah. You know what I would have done on that video game? Smash its pieces. No, instead of the pig going for the bananas, you'd think your character, the gorilla would have gone for the bananas. That makes too much sense. It does in that game because it's potty. Mm, potty, bonkers. Then he's put, I love the new music music quiz feature. Definitely one to keep going for a while. Fun to play along at home too. We have got one for you later. Oof! Oof! And then he's, I didn't. Then he's put, I didn't get on with Solomon's Key. It's not that it's a bad game, but it feels like a computer stroke console game trapped inside an arcade cab. We've got more to say on that, haven't we? We certainly have. I don't want to keep replaying the same learned levels over and over. It would be fine on a home console with a level select of some sort. Maybe the arcade should have let you skip levels or have a secret portal to skip levels like Mario and New Zealand Story. Mm, good points. Mm. Mm. Thank you for the feedback, kids. Thank you. Shout out. First shout out for me. 
Bobby Eardod, the patron saint of cartridges, again for his help and general good egginess. He also sent me, I got the other day, a pair of ColecoVision cartridges and 7800 Food Fight Car. Classic game on the Atari 7800. Oof. Such a good game. Also, Chunkskin for his advice on Groovy Arcade, which is going to help me set up. I'm going to try that one. Uh, also, I am Jimmy. This was completely out of the blue. I thought he was just going to send me that, that shaft to repair for him. He sent me two. He sent me a big tin of biscuits with classical biscuits in them, which wife ate most of, <laughs> and two jars of biscoff. And he didn't know what biscoff was, and I'm on a diet as well. How dare he? Oh, we still let him anyway, though. Uh, he also this is for sorting out that threaded thing for him, but um, he didn't know about biscoff. He said, "Oh, I've not seen this before." We have. We know all about biscoff, don't we? Is that the spread you're on about? Yes, it's like mm. peanut butter but made out of biscuits. Mm. Oh. I got some of them biscoffs for Christmas, mm-hmm. and my son's eating them all. Oh, monkey. Mm. It's like me eating all them Australian biscuits and not giving you any. Oh, yeah, you're in trouble about that. I am, aren't I? We'll talk offline about that. Well, Darren Domination's sending some more, and I've said, can you send them to your house? Yes, yes. It's not just, it's not just me. It's a whole Holly clan that eat them all, you know. Yeah, I'm mm. words with you, Holly, Holly, <laughs> Hollies. <laughs> I've got one shout out to the the booze guys that did the Batcave event. They're called Tap and Pin. Okay. And please send more booze. <clears throat> uh, I mean, I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, I re- highly recommend the Tap and Pin beer guys. Their IPA is absolutely lovely. Please send me more. Thank you. You've had enough. I have had enough, yeah. Right. Next section, please. Tips. Right, this is going to be a big one. This is building a cabaret cabinet, which I've been doing lately. This is part one of a few. Don't know how many it's going to take until I finish the damn thing. Right. So the first job is the wooden panels. The easiest thing to do is go to a local wood merchant rather than a chain chain of DIY hardware store. The people know what they're doing, or supposedly do. They always have the machine tools to cut your material and also the software to determine the best way to get as many parts out of a sheet because these materials are sold by the sheet which are usually 1.22 metres by 2.44 metres or old school 8 by 4 foot sheets. Some places do half sheets though. Also, if you're looking to buy vinyl covered materials like arcade cabs are made back in the day, these wood merchants are more likely to have them than a standard DIY shop. You also need to get some plans for your, your build, or if you're building a reproduction, you can take the plans, you can draw up them yourself and measure them yourself. Mm-hmm. So I got these from the internet, most of them. Got my plans online. Look around, there are loads. I also have an original cabaret that I'm copying for a guide to what I'm doing in assembly of all the parts. This is something that a lot of diagrams don't have, the fitting together part. The actual cab I'm doing is the same shape as an Atari centipede cabaret, but it's going to be... A Dig Dug cabaret cabinet, which are very, very yeah. rare in this country. I only know of one in the country. That's why I'm building one, because I can't get hold of it. Also got on here, stop press. Do not believe online plans that say they are 95% accurate. Good chances are they are not, or the same model cabinet can vary wildly from one to the other. I've found a large inconsistency in my build so far and had to adjust and rejig things around to make it fit together to the same sort of size as my original cabinet. When this cabinet is complete, I'm going to redraw everything and post up all the separate drawings of each part with fitting and sizes notes for everyone to use. 
So when I've done my one and it all fits and it looks just like the original, I'm going to draw each part out again on CAD and release it on probably PDF form onto the internet so everyone can use it and put yeah. as many notes as you need to build the cab yourself. It'd be nice to get more people building without getting confused and not having to refit and rejig stuff because some people aren't quite so hot with the woodworking tools and, and that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. hopefully this will help them out a little bit, make it a bit easier for them. So, most wood merchants don't even need a drawing of what you need, just the extent sizes and rectangular of what you need. They usually have software that will get as many parts out of a board or get at least the least amount of waste out of a board. Always take the offcuts with you as well. You have paid for them and they will come in handy for extra small parts of your cabinet. You now need to shape your rectangular parts into cabinet parts. Most parts, like the front, the back door, the base and the roof, are already rectangular in shape and you won't need any perimeter work. The sides will. Get your jigsaw fired up. Right, with a jigsaw, you can clamp two sides together and jigsaw your penciled guides, but that is a lot of work for a jigsaw blade to do. So the sides of mine are 18 mil thick, which is the UK equivalent of three quarters, which is 19.05 mil. And two of them together makes 36 mil, which is quite thick. It's about an inch and a half thick for it to get through. And also said stop press. These are things I worked out when I was actually doing it after I wrote this guide. So stop press, do not do this. Mm. The blade will skew wildly and give you sloping sides that are no use to anyone. It will not get through there cleanly and straight. It will go to one side. So mm. what I did is rough out the first side, leaving a bit of material on with your jigsaw, and then clamp a straight edge to the piece. You can use your router to trip the edges. Get close to the arcs and then finish the arcs off with a round sander or a dremel, with a little sand- sanding drum on there. When you're happy with the first of the two sides, then... Clamp that first panel to the second panel and use a flush router bit in your router to get a perfect reproduction. You may need to do it in two depths depending on how beefy your router is, but that's no biggie. It's quite easy to do. The last part of the sides is to route the T-molding groove. This requires a T-molding bit for the router. You will need a 1/32nd or a 1.5mm bit if you live in a civilised society. You need to get the groove right in the middle of your 18mm thick sheet. Here's how I did it. Now, you can get depth guides and depth gauges, digital depth gauges for a router, which you put over your router, and you put the digital depth gauge down to the depth you want. And obviously, half of 18mm is 9mm, plus half the blade, because you want the blade to be in the centre. So you add another 0.75mm, so you want to go 9.7mm deep from the top of the piece of material down to the bottom of the blade. Okay? Yeah. So what you need underneath that... So you can go down onto something flat to give you that size is 18 mil thick, which is your board thickness minus 9.75. So you want to go 8.25 mil. So what you can do is put an 8.3 mil drill underneath it and then carefully put your blade onto it and then lock it up. And what I do is don't just plow in there with your route when you set it. Is go somewhere where you're not going to see a, a false cut if you do it wrong. Or use an off-cut piece of material and just put it, put the router in to take a little cut with it and then measure it. Or what you can do to check, make sure it's in the middle, is actually get a small piece of T-moulding and tap it into the slot you've just made and make sure it's in the centre. Right, yeah, I see what you mean. So, so using my old adage, measure twice, cut once. And also measure twice, cut a blank piece you're not going to notice or worry about. You don't want to go and plough into your material 
and cut a wrong piece because if you do it it'll be ruined you have to start mm. again so that's quite easy to do once you get it right but just be careful to get that dead in the center because it looked really off it's off to one side i will draw out that little picture of what i meant by getting the height right because it might be a bit confusing without a drawing so I'll draw, I'll draw a little drawing for it and put it on the website for him to look at. Right. So next time, I was talking about cutting apertures for the coin door, the speaker panel, lock holes, etc. in the actual cabinet. It's actually making holes into, into the cabinet, whole different things. One other thing I'd say as well is if you do get a local wood merchant to cut your pieces up, is when you go and pick them up, because you have a lot of pieces and a lot of offcuts to take with you if you bought two sheets of ply, is make sure you take a tape measure and check their shoddy work before you leave the premises. And also, if it's done wrong, they did three pieces of mine wrong, I didn't realise until I took them home, is get them to do them right if they're wrong. Because you've paid for them to cut that material. Mm. Make sure they do it right. Because what they did on mine is they cut some horizontal cuts and they forgot to do the vertical cuts. So it Mm. was the right thickness but the wrong height. So they'd left it left it big and not cut the top bit off so I had to do it myself on a bandsaw so make sure they've done what they're they're paid to do properly check every piece before you take it away Mm. Mm. you obviously really enjoy it though don't you building like like scratch scratch builds and yeah they're not for everyone because people aren't they haven't got as many tools they haven't got an area to do it in they might be not confident or very good at woodwork but if you're going to do something like this start off small make say a half size cabinet Mm. or make make a little uh, bar top or something. Just try something small first. Don't go into making a massive cabinet because it does cost quite a lot of money to buy the materials. Yeah. And it's easy to go wrong. When you get a big piece wrong, you have to buy that big piece again. If you do a small piece, it doesn't really matter so much. So I'd say start with something small until you get your skills ready and then move up and make something bigger. Mm, and I suppose when you've done it, there's a massive sense of achievement as well, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. You know the... Donkey Kong cabinet in Arcade Club, the yes. red one. I made that. Yeah, yeah. That's one of my early builds that I sold to James RGP. Yeah, still looking good. Thank you. Right, this is what everyone has been waiting for. <laughs> yeah. And this is... La la la, it's music quiz time. Now, it's my turn to quiz you again. Are you ready Go for on. the first one? Yes. No idea. Don't know that one? No. Okay, we'll get to the end and we'll give you the answers. We'll try them again. Oh, God. Go on. Next one. Okay, next one is this one. So shoot them up, innit? Might be. It's it something like Space Firebird or something. Not quite. Do you want the next one? Go on. Okay, next one in the music quiz is... I was moving my head around like an idiot then, gents do that. I've heard that as well. You're not doing very well tonight. No, can we skip this quiz? No, everyone loves it. Next one, number four out of five is this Mm. one. That's an easy one. Is that Turtles? No. Jungler? No. Oh, are you getting all all five of them wrong? Oh, God. Let's do the last one. You get an extra bonus point and tell me what piece of music that is as well. It's a famous piece of music. Um, I've heard that as well. That's a shooter, isn't it? Might be. 
Right, what we'll do, since you'll be so useless at the music quiz this week, we'll play them at the end, and I'll give the answers out. I'll give you one more chance to get them right, and then the answer be... At the moment, you've got zero out of five. Oh, God. Oh, you are so poor. Very poor. Oh, dear. So I, I, I recognise some of the tunes, but I can't think what they are. They're not that difficult. They're quite popular games. Mm. I'll give you that much of a clue. Right, OK. <laughs> Let's go on to the next segment, and we'll do... <laughs> right, go on. Go on. Featured Game Review. Now, this is Solomon's Key from Tecmo 1986, or Solomon no Kagi. It's a puzzle stroke action game that uses Z80 hardware and is a jammer PCB. Also released with the Tekken pinout, which is not a jammer PCB. It uses an eight-way joystick and two buttons. One button to fire your magic wand to remove or magic up some blocks. And the second button is the flame button to release a limited flame which kills off antagonists. Antagonists. You've also antagonists. got... You can also jump, can't you? But that is on the joystick. The jump yes, is on the joystick. Yes, you do a diagonal. To, and you, also, you can also pull down to crouch and you can, you can move along crouching as well. I didn't know so that. So you can avoid I... things going above your head. Until you re- uh, I read these notes, I didn't know that. Right, so the main character is called Dana. <laughs> Dana, not Diana. Oh, okay. Yeah. And he's a bloke as well, I think. Yeah. And he's sent to retrieve Solomon's key. Would you believe it? To restore the world to light from demons who were accidentally released from somewhere. Demon land, obviously. Now... Who keeps releasing demons into this world? Is it some sort of nanny, nanny state, namby pamby rehabilitation scheme or something for demons? Could be. Mm, we don't want them. We don't want. Get, send your demons back. Mm. The object of the game is to get through fifty rooms of apparently it's called constellation space by or levels, as I like to call them. Yeah, or rounds. They call them rounds, don't they? Very mm-hmm. confusing, the round round structure. Anyway, by a, by acquiring a key to the door that leads to the next room before a timer runs out. The game has elements of platforms and shooting, kind of. Dana can jump, create, and destroy orange blocks and also do a bit of moonwalking. Mm. I know it's dirty, Dana. Adjacent to him, and he can create fireballs to destroy humans, demons, even not humans. He could also cook a wicked stir fry, but you need an extra button for that, which is included in the original control panel. This is a feature, not a culinary twist. I would welcome a stir fry at this minute. Mm. The orange blocks can also be destroyed by hitting them with a character's head twice. They're not orange, they're kind of brown. You've got to smack them with your napper. Yes. Along the way, Dana. Can we just call him Dave the Wizard? Dave, yeah. Dave the Wizard. Sounds better, doesn't it? Dave can acquire items to upgrade his firepower and extra lives as well that award bonus points and unlock hidden rooms. Certain Ooh. items Dana must make and then break blocks to make these appear. This confuses the hell out of me. You can create a block, destroy a block, and then there's something underneath it. And we'll, yeah, we'll secret t- pieces, yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a bit. These spaces on the screen are always in the same position, but are invisible until you create and remove a block over the space. You cannot remove any blocks that are different in look to the ones you can make, because some of the blocks are permanent and you cannot get rid of. If you grab the bell icon, a floaty fairy appears and flaps around the screen like a lost moth. Grab her mm. for a bonus, sometimes there's more than one. Do you know... 
where you've put these spaces on the screen are always in the same position sometimes they do move yeah but a lot of them i think in the secret rooms they move around yeah yeah they do so you've got to sort of explore everywhere making a block and disappearing a block to find it Mm. hard work yeah this is a 64 level game 15 a secret and one is the final level says 48 main levels divided into groups of four which relate to the 12 zodiac constellations Ah, okay in order aries taurus gemini cancer leo uh, etc etc the final level which i will never ever see is called solomon's room each constellation has a secret bonus room which can only be accessed by finding a seal for the constellation in the last room of the group the other three levels are the page of time the page of space and the princess room don't know what that is which only occur if the player has acquired all the hidden seals of solomon that is a tall order mm. getting all those secrets yes so on the secret on the secrets and stuff we've found a video which is on youtube which is a 10 million point no miss the guy doesn't a guy or girl playing it doesn't even lose a life playing the game and completes the whole game also have a look on strategy wiki it tells you quite a lot about the game on there all the secrets and stuff Thanks to Tagster for the link to both of those, actually. Thank you. You push the joystick diagonally up to do a jump, which is no problem in this game. It's quite easy to do a jump. And you push the joystick down to crouch, and you can also do a crawl. I don't know where you need to crawl. If you're falling from a height and press your magic one button, you can suspend yourself in midair and slow down your descent. Falling from any height is harmless. There are hints on some of the levels, but I'm too daft to work them out. You use your fire or flame button to knock out a few enemies at once. Some icons turn all the baddies on the screen to bonus items, so make sure you grab it when there are loads of bad guys on the screen for maximum pointage. Yes, that is a word. Pointage. pointage. You only get, well, at the start, you get three fireballs that you can shoot, can't you? Because you have a, a scroll at the bottom that can hold three fireball containers yeah. kind of thing, like Zelda with the hearts. Yes, and you can increase it to eight or ten, I think. Yeah. On different things. So a lot of, there's lots of items in this game, and I've got a list of them here. So you have a little bag with a one on it, which is 100 points, a little bag with two, 200 points, and these are also different gems you can get for points as well. A bag with a V on it, or fives, is 500 points, and a red bag with a one on it is 1,000 points, red bag with a two on it is 2,000 points, and a red bag with a V on it is 5,000 points. You also get green bags I've never seen, which is worth 10,000, 20,000, and there's a green jewel worth 50,000 points. I got one of them. Did you? Yeah. By complete accident, I got one, yeah. Oh, wow, yeah. So other items are, there's a, a blue gem worth 100 points. Use your wand on it to change the jewel. And it will transform into other items, including uh, a flame jar, a red jewel, or coins for different, different points. And you also get a... A blue jewel again, which is a slightly different version of it, worth 2,000 points. And you can change the one to change it to other things, which is um, an extra flame to add to your flames. A bell, which produces another fairy. And a scroll. And you can change these around all all over the place to change them. So the the jar with the red flame in gives you an extra potion to your fireballs. One with the yellow flame in gives you a super fireball spell. And also one with an O on it is the collector fire growth potion which is the one that gives you more fireballs in your scroll so you can find a red scroll and these scroll parts are extensions to increase the amount of fireball spells you can store in your spell scroll 
And there's also green and red, look like joystick balls, but these are just jewels for points, 100 and 200 points. Mm-hmm. There's a bottle with green liquid in it. And this gives you bon- double bonus points for everything, every bonus you've got left when you do the level. However, the rate of which your remaining time will decrease will also double, so you've got to do this quickly. And a full bottle with green in will multiply your remaining time bonus and similarly increase the rate at which your counter times down. Only this bottle multiplies your bonus and speeds up your time with a factor of five. The benefit to your score may not be worth the risk. There's an hourglass, a red hourglass you can get, and this will set the time at exactly half the original starting time. This can be helpful if you find it when you're running out of time, but it will hurt you if you collect it early on. Mm. And the blue hourglass will restore the time to its original starting time. It can give you big bonuses if you're just about to complete a level. There is a red jar full of red stuff. Collect this bot to instantly destroy every generated enemy on the screen. So make sure you, you collect that when there's loads of enemies on the screen because they turn into jewels which you can pick up for points. Mm. An orange bottle is extra life. Now it says here, in order to collect hidden bonus items, you must never fail to collect any of the previous hidden bonuses on the level. If you miss one in an earlier stage, you will never find them again in a later stage. They will be replaced with a simple 100-point jewel. So these special bonuses are a gold-looking bird thing, which is worth 100,000 points. Oof. There's a St. David's star on a blue background worth 200,000 points. Oof. A sphinx, 500,000 points. Ouch! And a bunny rabbit worth a million points. You have to find all of those, and if you miss any of them, you won't see the rest of them. Never so the graphics and sound on this, I didn't see any of those either. Graphics and sound on this game are excellent 8-bit graphics and a nice little tune. I really enjoyed the tunes. They're small sprites because how the game is. It's a puzzle game and, you know, but they're really well drawn. I really like the sprites. Mm. Nice amount of different items and monsters. Loads of different icons and monsters and backgrounds and stuff. The levels do look quite similar, but that's just the way of the game. The way mm. the game's run out, really, isn't it? Yeah, I, I agree, yeah. Nice little graphics, nice tune. Yeah, like them. One thing that annoyed me, though, when a fixed position enemy, like the ones on the wall that spit the fireballs out, when they're constantly firing, it makes an irritating noise. If you yeah. zap the bugger, it silences them. Mm, didn't Monster, like him. silence! Did not like him. Mm. So this is, I think it was a fun puzzle game, really, but I'm not so sure about it being in the arcade, are you? Yeah, I think Chris CMP hit that nail on the hammer on the head. He did indeed. I was going to say mm. that. Because it seems... It, this is a very popular game on the NES and the Famicom. It mm. also came out on a bunch of computers. But it sort of works better sat down with a pad at home than in an arcade. It doesn't seem like a quick play arcade game because there's all these secrets and learning things and loads of different levels, I thought. Yeah, I thought that. It just There was just... I was overwhelmed with it, really. I like the secrets in some of the games. Like, say, Star Force... Yeah, the shooting of Padre had a few secrets to un, you know, to unlock. But this has got loads, and the way you can get them, and the way you get one influences where another is, and how much you yeah. get. And it was just in the end, I just played it, just you know, just played yeah, it. I didn't. I, I did didn't... as well. I think you get a bit bogged down with how many secrets and, and different things going on. But you say that there's another game in similar ways, which is Bubble Bubble. And people love Bubble Bubble, and there's loads of secret potions and stuff to get in Bubble Bubble. Oh, God. Right. Which we will cover in the future. Mm-hmm. So tell me about the scores. 
The scores, right, here we go, from bottom to top. Thank you, everyone, once again for playing. Giggity. Giggity. <laughs> I love saying that. So do I. I'm glad he keeps going into the high scores and to competition. 5,700. Andrew Driver, 28,700. Paul McCaskey, 39.2. Cine Steve, 51.4. Stacey King, 54.1. Chris CMP, 54.4. Zipper, 55.9. Stuart Time Warp from Time Warp Arcade, 59.4. Ash Malkin, 70,860. He was a guy that I did the. Remember, I did that quiz on the RGDS podcast last year. Yes, I do. He was one of the contestants on the quiz. Oh, cool. So thanks for playing, Ash. Mick Berry, 84,900. Matthew Bridge, 88.3. Yeah. Ian Cullen, getting over the 100K now. Yeah, good, good players now. Definitely. Oh, yeah. 106,000. Victor Marland, hello. That's me. 109,000. Darren Domination, 170,000. Uh, in fifth place, no, hang on. In fourth place is me. <laughs> 165,000. The best I could do without trying to work out the secrets, I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. Tagster has done extremely well. Oh, that's a bit of a leap, isn't it? And it is massively. 518,000. Cool, blimey, Governor. And another massive leap into second at Neil 20 to 5. Oof. 921,000. Well and done. in first place, he's owned everybody, this this guy. Chris, Mooncrester bootleg, 2.1 million. 2 million, 112,820. I know. Well done, Chris. I know for a fact he's very, very good at Wonderboy as well. So this kind of platformy game, I think, is right up his street. Yeah, right up his alley. Nice one, guys. Thank Brilliant. you for playing, everyone. Played. There's something missing from this score. Yeah. Two things missing. Yes. Mr. Trollnads. Yes. And Charlie Farr. Mr. Trollnads put a score in of zero because he didn't like it. They're not like it. I Charlie... don't like it. <laughs> Charlie Farr. I said don't Sol- like it. Solomon's Wii. Uh, I mean, Solomon's Key. Solomon's Wii, more like he put. Oof. So he hasn't submitted a score, Mr. Charlie Farr, but I'm going to keep an eye on the 10 pence high score league table. Oh, I'm not what interested we... in this. What we did at the end of last year. Because I'm not doing very well. <laughs> <laughs> what we did last year, I added up all the scores everyone played and gave everyone. Someone came first, they got 10 points. Someone came second, they got nine. And I did that for every game. Mm-hmm. And he, right down to one point for 10th. And then if you entered a score, you also got one point. Mm-hmm. So after three games, with that, that scoring system in mind, we've got. Chris Mooncrester Bootleg is up, is number one. Oh, good. Oh, jo- joint number one with me. We've both got twenty one points. Mm. Three games played. So say Chris got Alien Syndrome. You got eight points. Amidar three points. Solomon's Key ten points. So you see how it works. Got yes. twenty one points. Oh, nice. So that, me and him joint first. Joint third then is Tagster and Charlie Farr with nineteen oh, both points. Both good players. Charlie Farr's only entered two scores, so he hasn't even played this one. <laughs> he's been handicapped a little bit, and he's still in that place, yeah. Yes, and say joint fifth, Neil 20-5, to five, and Ian Cullen with 17 points. Mm-hmm. And then me and other people trailing. Yeah, you troll nads, Darren Domination, Paul McCaskey. Okay. So that's how it's going. Every few podcasts, I'm going to look at that and see how everyone's doing, I think. Okay. What do you reckon? That's a good idea. What do you think about the cabinet art for this game? I loved it. I thought it's fantastic. It's the mm. best cabinet art I've ever seen in my life. Now, there isn't any. There isn't. 
This game is quite rare. The PCB is very rare to find. And the thing is, back in the day, I don't think I ever played this in the arcade, but I played it on the ZX Spectrum a lot. Mm-hmm. So I know the game from there, but I never saw it in the arcade. But I have got a picture in front of me here, which I'll put on the show notes. And this is what the game may have looked like. And it's, it's got an arcade picture on the front of it. And this is from the Wii Virtual Console cover. I think this is fan art as well, but it's a very nice looking picture. Yeah. And the artwork on the Famicom games is really nice as well. It's a really cool little picture. But there's a bit of trivia on this game as well. Yes. Tecmo are now famous for their dead or alive bouncing lady physics of fighting games. But they started life, as uh, quite a few of us know, as Tekken and gave us some incredible games like Star Force, Bomb Jack, Rygar, Ninja Gaiden, Pinball Action. And did you know there was a sequel to Pinball Action called Super Pinball Action? I did, yeah, it's good. It's a good game. Mm, mm. And Pleiades. Oh, yeah. And also the the horse racing thing that's been massive in Japan and had loads of sequels, Gallop Racer. Never heard of it. Yeah, it's pretty big in Japan. Mm-hmm. And now they are called Koei Tecmo. Of, uh, they sort of merged with Koei. And also, I've put noteworthy here, Pleiades, when I was looking at Pleiades, or Pleiades, it may not be a sequel to Phoenix Eyes, as I have always thought. Yeah, it's a similar game, not quite as polished and even mm. as Phoenix, but quirky mm. in a good way. It's got similar hardware as well, because the loom is adaptable in a Phoenix cab. It was in my Taito trim line. I used to have it in there, so I used to run it on there. So it's exactly the same pinout. So you'd think mm. of similar hardware. So if you Wikipedia Phoenix, it says this is a shooting up game from 1980 of unknown origin. The original publisher, unknown. That's what Wikipedia is saying. And right. people like Amstar, Century, that that German company, everyone released copies of this game. Yeah, GCC released one as well. Yeah, so I don't know if maybe. Tecmo mm. had something to do, or Tekken had something to do with Phoenix. Okay. So, Solomon's Key had quite a few uh, ports and legacies for it. So, in 1988, a port of Solomon's Key was made for the Sega Master System in Japan, and a port for the Nintendo Game Boy system entitled Solomon's Club was released in 91. The 1999 Game Boy Color release uh, was called Monster Rancher Explorer, called simply Solomon in Japan. This is by Tecmo, an updated sort of port of Solomon's Key. The arcade version was included in Tecmo Classic Arcade in 2005 and was later released on the Virtual Console in 2009. The NES version of the game, or Famicom, was released for the Wii Virtual Console on November 19th in North America, 2006, and on December 15th, 2006 in the PAL regions. Later it was also released on Nintendo 3DS and Wii U Virtual Console. A reversed engineered port from the Atari ST version was released on the Commodore Amiga as well. <laughs> so on the Famicom, I have actually got Solomon's Key. It's got lovely box art, which I also put on the, the show notes. You haven't got many pictures on there. And there's also a follow-up called Solomon's Key 2 in Japan, which is also Fire and Ice. You must have heard the NES game Fire and Ice. Yeah. I've heard of an Amiga game called Fire and Ice, but that was by Graft Gold, I think. Yeah, it's a different game. This one, I think, mm. involves fiery blocks and ice blocks. It's mm. a similar kind of uh, thing. I've never played it, but it looks quite good. So, Mr. Charlie Farr did say Solomon's Wii, more like, and he said he didn't have any patience for this game. Couldn't be bothered searching for the secrets, and he didn't like strategically placing the blocks to work out how to get through a level. A big nope from him. That's me, actually. I've said that. 
Ah, okay. Big note from you, but you've changed your mind a little bit. It's okay. I, I, I sort of had a bit more patience with it today, but I think it is a console game that should not have gone in the arcade because you, you're. It's a puzzle game that you can. You, you work out each level, don't you? Mm-hmm. You get it done. Maybe if it was a console version, you could save it and then do the next level, do the next level. But this is an arcade game, and I don't like trawling through all those previous levels just to just to get like a higher score. So, mm. well, my notes, I've got. I think the game is a good one, but not ideally for the arcade though. It works better on a console, where you can try and work out secrets for the game. Because there's so many secrets, it's become a bit meh, and also difficult to find them without any hints. The puzzle elements are decent though, and you can just play for fun without handing down all the secrets. Reminds me of some of the elements in Bubble Bobble. Mm-hmm. I loved playing this on the Spectrum back in the day. The port was done by Probe Software, who did some good games. It was a bit sparse on the old colour, but the Specky did a good job of recreating it. Did you have it on the Commodore 64? No, I didn't, no. Oh, the colours and sound are best on the 64, but... Dana does like a chunky janitor on it. It's really, really blocky game. But the colours are great. You don't want a chunky janitor, do you? Definitely not. Yeah. The NES or Famicom version is dead good. It's got some different levels and also a bit, a bit of a bland colour palette. Not sure if I played in the arcade. I don't think I did, actually. And can't find anyone selling a PCB. Very rare. I also found out someone valued it around $400. Oof. But it is included on the 19-in-1 PCB. God, a lot of money. Mm. So that's that one out of the way. It, yeah, it's an okay puzzle game, but I wasn't so keen on it. It was all right. It was okay. Do you know how many games I had of this game to get my hundred nine thousand? One, three. Is that it? Yeah, I didn't have much time to play it. I only played it this morning. I so played. I, about... I could have beaten you easily if I tried. <laughs> I played about. 63 <laughs> oh, really i'm not playing yeah. that much only because i've been busy and sore and not had a chance to get in there but um the next game i will be playing oh. home computer and console arcade ports so the game i've been playing lately the arcade port to console is atari 7800 food fight kindly sent to me to the patron saint of cartridges bobby idod this is a wonderful arcade port, considered one of the best of the 7800. Have I told you I'm going to try and get all the arcade ports on the 7800, cartridge yeah. only? I'm going to try and do that, because there's only about 20 or so, but then there's more homebrew. There's about 20 homebrew games come out for the 7800 um, play arcade games as well. Are you not doing that on the Intellivision as well? I've been trying to, but some of the ones on Intellivision are quite hard to find, mm. especially in the UK. But I'm going to America in September. Um, I'm not sure if NTSC carts work on the PAL system. But my Pole Position 2 I bought does work on the 7800 PAL version. It's got funny lines above the screen, so I'm not worried about that. Mm. I wonder if there's a fix for it. Hmm. Anyway, the 7800 version is great. The little dude's eyes move around to show you where you are and where you're going to lob your food, just like the arcade one, because the arcade one... The only different version, the only difference to this game, the arcade version, the main version, the obvious thing, is there's not an analog stick on the 7800. It's digital because in the arcade mm. you had an analog stick to fire all around you in different directions. Yeah, but it doesn't detract from the game at all. The 7800 is a bit chunky, but it's full of color. The game is the, the sprites are really colorful. The sound is only the crappy old 2600 sound as well because it had the same chip as the 2600 machine. 
and it doesn't use the pokey chip, which only two cartridges have for the 7800, which is a bit unfortunate. Everyone seems to say that the 7800 should have had a pokey chip inside it to produce these really good sounds, but they never included it. It would be in a bit tight with the 7800. So what they did on two of the games, they put a pokey chip actually on the cartridge, inside the cartridge, which makes a lot better sounds. But there's loads of homebrew games that have got pokey chips in, though. But the 7800 version is well worth playing. It's a really, really cool little version of it. Is the arcade one a 49-way stick and not analogue? Or am I getting no, that it's mixed? Analog. It's analogue. It analog? So I've actually re- I've reproduced the little parts, the links for it in an, an analogue machine. So I know it's an analogue stick. All right. It's not an optical, it's an analogue one. Right. Uh, did, yes, did you I play did, it? I did play it, yes. I played it. Well, using an online emulator, which ran a little bit slow, but I got the idea of it, and I compared it against the one on MAME, which I had to try and play a little bit just using the mouse, because I, I have no experience with this on a proper cab at all. Oh, I've played it. It's lovely to play on a proper cab. It's really mm-hmm. nice. And yeah, it, it sort of matches up well. For the hardware matches up well to say it's a, a 7800. Yeah, absolutely. Really good little game. Mm. So I'm looking forward to getting some more arcade ports for the 7800. It's a good little machine. Mm. Okay, nearly there. Nearly at the end now. Next show's game. So the next one, next game, is my pick, isn't it? Yes, and you left it blank again, so I don't know what you're going to pick. So I've picked one for you, Vic. No, you haven't. I have. I've what? picked Colt Japanese Shooter Vasara from Visco Games in the year 2000. Go play it, kids! You're going to cut that bit out, aren't you? What I did is I put a big, great big dirty line through all your writing, and I said, I don't bloody think so, you bespectacled, fur-faced young heathen. <laughs> do you know what game, gonna, good. You know what game, game. I'm going to choose? It's an old one, and it's a classic one. Is it something I'm not going to like? Satan's Hollow. Oh, Satan's Hollow. Very it's great, nice. It's a great little game. Okay, kids, so play Satan's Hollow. And the settings to use is MAME set one, unless you play on original board, three lives, difficulty set at number four, and an extra base at 10,000 points. Go into the service settings in MAME or on the cab to check. Use those settings, people. Right, before we go, let's finish off the music quiz. Let's give the answer to the music quiz. Now, we'll do this again. Are you ready for the first sounds? Give us a bit of a clue as well. I'm rubbish. No. These are easy games. You should be able to do these ones. I bet all the listeners at home are going, no, it's easy, you idiot. Right, the first one is this. Maze game. Ladybug. Nope. Pat, no. uh, Lock and Chase. Lock and Chase? I've never badly played that. It's a great little game. The next one is this. Is that like... Gap Plus or something, or... Oh, nearly. What is it? It's a shooter. Gallagher. A multi-game shooter. No. Phoenix. Gorf. Gorf, of Everyone knows the sounds on Gorf, you fool. Right, here's another one. Another maze game. It's a quirky one. Is it... Is it some... No, I don't know. Junior Pac-Man. Junior Pac-Man. All You're right, a fool. Right, number four of five. Mm. 
That's an easy one, another maze game. You and your maze games? Mm. Oh, just, I can't get it tonight. No. Ladybug, you said it earlier. Ladybug, right. Right, number five, you got zero out of five so far. I'm doing well. Get this one and you'll redeem yourself. This is an easy one. Is that Satan's Hollow? Yes! It you is. Re- you redeemed yourself. One uh, out no, of five. One very, out of five. Very one out of five kid, we're going to call you. Oh, dear. So, that's it. And we wish you all good biscuits. Thank you for that's... listening, and goodbye. We've just got the 30-minute chat with Craig Turner and a family ticket giveaway, which we will mention within this interview. Yeah. What we're going to do is if you are a family, if you are part of a family, which most people are... And you wish to go to the revival event... It's two adults, two adults, two children, all weekend. It's a great little opportunity to get there for free, get in for free. Just send us either a PM or on Twitter and that and just say, yeah, we're a family who want to go, and we're going to put everyone in in an arcade hat and then pull them out in a few podcast time and tell you who is going to revival for free four people to revival awesome two kids two adults Mm. thanks for listening kids and Uh, goodbye we'll catch you next time thank you hello mr craig turner of revival retro events how are you sir yeah i'm cool so looking at the site it's about two and a half months off isn't it 20th to 21st of may banks's stadium warsaw that was an awesome venue last year Three and a half months, please. Is it? <laughs> Don't shorten the time anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and it says here, 50 classic arcade machines. Can you tell us if you know what machines you've got already confirmed? Uh, well, yeah, I can. Um, I've extended my collection this year. we got um, our mate Mike up in Scotland bringing a load down. Uh, we've got the, some of the local collectors pledged a few machines, and down south we've got our Rog, our Alex, and oh, yeah. our Martin contributing again. Smarty, he's um, he's got on board again, and he's agreed to pledge a few more of his machines. And as you may or may not know, he's got a decent collection himself, so he's promised us some specials. Yeah. As, is he bringing fire truck? I think he's... he is indeed. Yeah, fire truck coming. That's an exclusive. That's a brilliant game, and it one of those fantastic two-player games. It is. It is indeed. I mean, I first got to play it down at South Coast Slam back in 2014, and uh, I've never seen anything quite like it since. I don't think there is anything quite like it really. Mm. Um, so he's, he's promised us that. Um, he's got a few more out of his collection. We've got Packland coming. I think he'll be bringing up Centipede. You know, some of the nice classics. Yeah. Sorry, video pinball will be coming again because that was a massive hit last year. That's brilliant. It is. Um, Alex uh, and Roger, we think we might have ice cold beer coming, which is something that seems to be something of a cult favourite amongst people. Um, yeah, the mechanical thing where you try and steer the. Yeah, the, it's, the it's ball a very cool machine, and he's, he, he was waiting to get repaired last year, which is why he didn't come with us, but. Uh, this year he's assured us it's coming, and Alex is working on a few things himself, a little project called Skyskipper. Unfortunately, yeah. it won't quite be ready in time for the show. We were hoping it would be, 
but he's promised us some some brilliant Nintendo machines again, something different. Probably be the full Donkey Kong lineup this time. Um, I've acquired myself a nice Time Pilot. My Gorf's going in for repair, so that will be there. I'm trying to think what else we've got. We've got the candies coming. A lot of people got love for the Japanese machines. Yeah, I love them. Well, they're great. I mean, you've got your vertical schmups on there, but we're we're going to be putting um, probably a bit more out on the fighting game front because of the whole theme of the event this time. So, you know, the Japanese candies, it makes sense to put something in there, you know, of the uh, the fighting game ilk, so that we might be seeing some of the, uh, the Street Fighter series Maybe some of the more obscure Japanese fighters or some of the Neo Geo styles because, you know, King of Fighters and things like that is very good. Yeah. And, and I've acquired myself, I've finally acquired myself a decent Space Invader. So, as we spoke about just before Christmas. So yeah. I'll be getting uh, getting that one sorted in time. We've got the, the good ones. We've got the Eight Run series coming. We've got the, well... We got. Our, I'm bringing my kid, my two Killer Instincts this time. I've got Killer Instinct one and two because we've got the guys from Rare coming along. Excellent. Yeah, I got. Well, I got speaking to Kev Bayliss uh, not long ago, and he was. It, well, Killer Instinct was one of his biggest pet projects, I suppose, while he was working at Rare, and um, he was the head animator and uh, animator, artist, and character modeler for Killer Instinct. And uh, he provided some of the voices and everything as well. And and he's still got a lot of love for the game now, even with everything else he's worked on in the meantime. And when I got speaking to him and I, you know, I mentioned that Killer Instinct was my personal favourite game ever. He got talking with me and he, he put me in contact with some of his old team at Rare. Surprising to learn, a lot of the old Rare team, I mean, they were responsible for some of the biggest games of the 90s. Yeah. Uh, um, it, it's surprising to learn that they all work together still. A lot of them work for a software house now called Platonic. You've got Chris Sutherland there. I think he's a director there. And uh, Steve Miles, I think, works at Platonic. He he did the Donkey Kong Country series. And then you've got a guy called Chris Seaver and some of the newer ones. that They worked on the later Nintendo 64 stuff. I've been chatting with someone as well who might be able to get Tim and Chris Stamper, who... Were as far back as uh, when it was when it used to be called Ultimus before they became rare. They were yeah, quite, wow. They were the driving force behind it, and they, they've been speaking, and they might be able to get Tim and Chris Stamper to come along as well. So that'd course, be brilliant. It would be. I mean, they've got a long, long, long history. Rare have. I mean, going back to the Spectrum, you know. But I mean, through through my teen years, I suppose we were looking at the the NES, the the SNES. Obviously, I did a lot of work with Nintendo back in the day. And uh, me being a Nintendo fanboy as I was back then, uh, most, a lot of my memories come from there. So that yeah. works not for me. But, um, yeah, we, we've still got a few uh, few arcade machines yet to announce. And we're rounding up a few more from, from various collectors. We, we had a bit of a struggle last year because everything had such a small time frame to get back together. Yeah. But this time, because we've given people a lot more notice, we've had you know people saying, "I want to help this time." And um, there's a few private collectors. A guy called Harry. Harry is borrowing us his his burger t- his burger time cabinet. Oh, that's good. In House of the Dead, and a couple of rare pins coming from him as well. So you know, got some good stuff coming. What can you tell us about the pins? Have you got a few more coming? Uh, yes, we got a few more coming. Um, Steve, our guy on the front there, he's bringing. 
his collection. I've I, I got to be honest, I'm not a big pinhead. I wouldn't be able to tell you, <laughs> no. you know, what, what are the best ones there. I, I do know what some of my favourites are. I mean, we've got, we've got Lord of the Rings coming. We've got The Addams Family, which is always a favourite. Family Guy, which is my personal favourite. I absolutely love that game. Yeah. Um, but uh, he's got some of the some of the great uh, music based ones like the Metallica one, the ACDC. ACDC is always an astounding thing. Um, some of the new ones, then newer ones, I should say. Yeah, well, he's 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 got he's got quite a broad range. But I mean, as people know, when it comes to the pins, being electromechanical, there's always some kind of issue with them. And when you're moving about the older ones, a bit a bit like moving, I suppose, like. Um, you know, it's it's notorious about moving vector games on the yeah. beach. <laughs> they don't like to be moved. They're like hermits of the arcade world, I suppose. And anytime you move something, they they fall out with you and they stop working. So, mm. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, it, it depends what he can do. Steve's uh, collection is constantly changing. He's always trading, and he'll get a machine in, trade it out, and then next thing you know, he's picked it back up again in six months because he misses it. So. It's it's a very mixed front, but I am hoping as we expand to um, get the other collectors back involved who we used to have involved. There's a guy called uh, John who provided us with machines back in 2014. Right. He's got a dungeon under his house, and I mean, no word of a lie. I mean, you've see, you've seen some personal collections. Yeah. He has got every pin you can name in this custom-built cellar. Under his under his mansion, and it's 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 got about 150 different pins in there. God, absolutely astounding. When when I first met him, I was I was amazed. It's only up the road from me as well, and uh, I, I was amazed when, when I saw it. And when the guys went, they were they were in the raw when they saw it. So we shall see. The, we're still working on the pin front, so I'll I'll let you know a bit more about that one. But yeah, there's there's, there's some great some great machines amongst that but i'm not really a pinhead so i couldn't really tell you which are the best <laughs> no i used to be in the early 90s i used to play them a lot when they, they sort of had a resurgence in the early 90s with the dmd backdrops and that didn't they yes they did they did but, indeed yeah i'm same as you not so much now pins are a curious thing because they're i mean obviously they're an arcade staple i mean they predate you know video arcades by many many years mm. but it's it's like I don't know. I think some people find a real connection with them. I just, I've never been able to get it. If you know what I mean, I enjoy them. They're fun. Mm. Um, but now my left hand doesn't work so well. It's kind of difficult to, to be as fast on the flippers as I suppose as I need to be for them. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, they're, they're such a spectacle to look at. I mean, so much more than any vid. I mean, I, I love my arcade games, but, um, just watching the pins, just blinking and flashing and seeing the way they're all put together. It, it is astounding every time I do it, and it, we, we couldn't do an event without them. You know what I mean? That they're just they're just so so much of a spectacle. Yeah, they are brilliant. Also, you're going to have a good selection of traders. Do you, have you got anyone confirmed yet? I suppose you've got quite a few people confirmed, haven't you? Well, I'll tell you what we've 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 answered the call. We we always ask people what they want more of and what they want to see less of, and things like that. And and last year, because it being a bit of a last minute plan, we we really got stuck on the traders. We had, we got a lot of people who regularly come, and we got stuck on the traders because being so late in the day, people were already booked up for other events. People were going on holiday and things like that. So we only ended up with it with a handful of traders. And this year, I've been absolutely swamped. And we we've got some of the best traders coming. We've got uh, Nick, obviously a vintage gamer. He's uh, 
He's a local lad who sponsors the event. He's provided yeah. with all of his good stuff. He's always picking up rare collections and stuff like that. We've got flashback games. We've got every bit gaming. We've got a massive selection of local traders, uh, all with individual tables. We've got a few home traders who just do the odd bit of uh, buying and selling. Um, and we've also got uh, Saw Thumb Retro Gaming coming back. They're a favourite amongst the events because he uh, travels to Japan twice a year. And yeah. he pick up a lot of the rare import consoles and things like that. And obviously the import thing was massive back in the day because everything got released in Japan before it got released over here. So he goes and gets some of the, the, the systems you can only get in Japan, you know, like your Famicoms, um, obviously the, the, the Japanese um, exclusive collector's versions of, you know, the Nintendos, um, the Saturn, things like that. The Saturn was massive in Japan um, mm. and things like that. So we've got Sore Thumb coming. We've got... Got Retro GT coming back. They do the gaming T-shirts. Uh, oh yeah, big, big fan of those. Um, we may still be having uh, Pete come as well from Rastamania, who provide who supplies arcade parts and boards and things like that. So um, yeah, a, we've probably got about fifteen to twenty traders back this year. So uh, a brilliant, big, a big amount compared to last year. Is it the same room? Is it in that same? Yeah, yeah. We're, oh, we're that's back, good. We're back at Bescott and. Um, but they've given us a little bit more room this time. We've got, because, um, you know, we, we had the talks down in one of the small areas at the end last year. Yeah, the Retro Asylum guys. Yeah, That's right, yeah, Retro Asylum are back again. But the acoustics in that room just didn't quite work. So um, we've spoken with the venue, and in one of their other suites down the other side, they've given us a large area there. It's a sectioned-off area, and it, it holds about 200 people seated. And oh, it's brilliant. much more comfortable, much like the uh, the separate rooms we had back at Dunstall. So we've got a nice quiet area there for the talk. So they should be able to deliver something a little bit better, a little bit more comfortable. But it also means we've got that extra space there to to have an area in in the main room, so we can shuffle some things round and you know improve on the layout a little bit. It says here you've got special guest dave the games animal perry i recognize his face actually from the games master show of the 90s everybody does the thing that gives him away everybody if people say dave perry i know the name and you say it's the guy with the bandana and straight away <laughs> ah yes that'd That's be good he's um he's most fondly remembered uh unfortunately for a certain incident that happened um when he used to be appear on games master um, and if you if you go to YouTube, it's one of the first things that will come up when you search for him. He um, he had a bit of um, a bit of a bit of a temper on him because they they stitched him up on the show. They basically set him up to lose on a, a competition on there. He was famed for being quite good at games, and um, yeah. he quite famously um, uh, lost a game um, on the Nintendo sixty four, which had just come out. And uh, there's quite a bit of a backstory behind it, but they, they set him up to lose, and um, he, he had quite a public display of uh, of anger and walked out on the show after that. And <laughs> uh, that was what he was most fondly remembered for. But after he left Games Master, anyway, he went on to appear on Games World on Sky One as well. Um, but his commentary was was brilliant. He used to work with various gaming magazines, worked with a few Sega magazines, and. Uh, I suppose he was a big part of, you know, growing up from 
the golden age because you know whether your your, your roots lie in the in the eighties. I mean, as far back as the seventies, maybe Games Master was very much a nineties thing. However, you would have been of that age when you know gaming TV became a thing. You know, and I think most people will have watched Games Master in the past. You know, I, I certainly watched it religiously from start to end. Yeah, and, uh, he was a big part of it for the first. I think it was the first three or four series, and he came back for various spots after that. His commentary was was very good, and he he was one of the best players around. And um, yeah, I got speaking to him recently, and he said he literally, even though he because he, he runs a tattoo shop now down in Torquay. Yeah, uh, he was a tattooist before he was actually into his games, and he went back to do that after he departed from the video game world. But he, he said, even though people have been in and seen him, and he's done the odd, you know, the odd article, he hasn't done any kind of public appearance related to gaming since 1998. And right. he, he said he feels the time's right to maybe revisit it. So he's approached us. We're supposed to be, we will actually be building him a custom Mortal Kombat arcade machine because that was his favourite arcade game. And um, he will be coming down to the events, and we'll be doing our own kind of game master thing our own tv show up on the stage you know how the oh, yeah that's good do their thing so we, we've they've uh, they've assured us they're working something out dave will be involved in it he will be doing some commentary up on the stage in his style uh, and he might, might be taking part in a couple of the competitions he'll also be delivering a talk as well so that'll be one of the main talks in the uh, in the talks venue so i think it'll be pretty good have you got any anyone else confirmed for the talks yet, or is it a bit early to? Uh, well, we've got we've got a couple coming. Um, obviously, there's there's Dave himself. I mentioned the rare guys. We've got Kev yeah. Bay, we've got Chris Siva, we've got Sean Pyle. There's a couple more names which I did mention. Um, who I, I can't officially announce, but um, basically, a lot of the rare team um, are very up for coming along, but they're still checking dates and everything. The whole idea is to have uh, what we call the rare retrospective, which will be a little bit of a showcase of some of the games they're responsible for over the years. And each of them will talk about the projects or projects they were most involved in. So there's, there's probably going to be about four, five, six of those guys coming. So that's quite a big one in itself. That's um, good. It, I, I think it's nice to get them back like that. I mean, a couple of years ago, we did the Ocean panel. You know, we've had the, the old, uh, the old Houston, the old Houston um, team, things yeah. like that, and it's it's good to get those software houses back together, if you know what I mean, to kind of revisit it. Um, Mr. Biffo, who unfortunately missed last year, who used to do these um, the CFAX, the CFAX teletext. Um, yeah, he's funny, yeah. Him, yeah. He, he's, he's he's a great guy. He he was first booked to come up with us last year, and he had an unfortunate incident, which meant he, he couldn't actually turn up. Um, he ended up in hospital, which is why he couldn't come to the, the event. Um, but he's assured us he's coming back this year. Uh, and with the Retro Asylum guys have got a few things under their, under their um, I suppose, are keeping under their cap at the moment. But they've, they've assured me that they're promising something special. There's been talk of a couple more from TV possibly popping along. Um, oh, Violet, that's good. Violet Berlin's been mentioned, who used to do Bad Influence, of course, and a couple of other ones. So mm. we shall see what happens. I think getting Walter Day last year, even though it was a video and not him in person, it's impossible to get him in person at the moment. That was just brilliant, that. It was just excellent to see him on the screen and chat with him. 
I think it worked really well. We were really apprehensive about about doing the whole the whole Skype thing because I thought it almost feels a bit like cheating. But you've got to appreciate, you know, shipping somebody over from America, you're looking at a, at least a five hundred dollar airfare. You know what I mean? Mm. And that's basic flight. Then you got to put people up and things like that. You, you can't always stretch to it. But at the end of the day, people, I suppose, people just want a bit of FaceTime with the people they you know they kind of look up to. And it, it worked well because people were able to, to chat with him directly. You know, he's, he's got his finger in a lot of pies and yeah. he's a lot of things over the years. And we thought that to be able to reach out to people who we couldn't otherwise get over here, you know, by doing something as simple as a live video chat, uh, as long as the technology doesn't fail us, it works well. And it was very well received. And so, you know, we, we will be trying to do that idea again. I have actually got a bit of a hit list of people Mm. I'd like to. I'd like to do in a similar style if we can't get them over, um, and we shall see what happens. I've, I've been. I've actually been chatting with some some very special guests in that in that respect, but I really can't say anything more on those at the mm-hmm. moment. But um, we we do. We have a promise to try and deliver you the, the best people in terms of guests. That's where we, we specialise, really. So we, yeah. we shall. We shall see what happens, but I'd like to do that again. And I have spoken with Walter about the possibility of a live appearance at something in the future. But I need to speak to somebody else about about that as well, about the venue itself. And um, so we may be getting um, a, a tweet, uh, I suppose, X Twin Galaxies presence coming over for something we've got planned in the future. So yeah, that would be good. Yeah, I think it would. On the arcade front, it's something we definitely want to do. Mm. Also, over 250 consoles. Tell us about them. Yeah, well, like I say, we're mixing it up this time. I mean, everybody goes to these events and they see the same of something every time. And we wanted we want to kind of mix it up. So at least if you're still seeing retro, you're seeing something fresh. So, mm. you know, even though like we, we all know our consoles, we've, a lot of us have seen some of the rarer things now. You know, we made a big deal of putting out some of the rare consoles and things last year, the unreleased games. This year, the whole Rivals theme, we're going to be presenting it a little bit different. So there's going to be a lot more multiplayer. That's the key thing. Um, right. At the end of the day, local multiplayer is something that's lost in modern gaming. Everybody sat in front of the TV, connected to the internet, and they think that's multiplayer. Yeah, you're open to thousands of people. It's like, yes, but it's not the same. We've been able to say in your face when you beat someone up or something <laughs> you know it's just not the same so the local multiplayer is coming back we'll be having like uh 10 player bomberman eight player mario kart uh eight player micro machines um we'll also be doing some of the obscure multiplayer so some of the things you might not have been able to do much such as linking up um, the Game Boys, linking up the Game Boy Advances, linking up consoles, things like the PlayStation uh, that they had link that link up brilliant link up racing games. Someone asked us last year that said we had a notable a notable lack of uh, PC presence, which was true. So this right, year, right, right, I didn't know. Invested in some decent four eight six PCs. And uh, we'll be bringing some special multiplayers on there. I've heard talk of a certain Spectrum game remade for PC into multiplayer, which will be coming. But we'll we'll wait to the event to show you that one. Um, There'll be some of the classic head-to-head death matches like Doom, Quake, Heretic. They will all be coming along. Um, But there's also some uh, multiplayer um, point-and-click adventures. 
some of the classic DOS games, they will all be out on display. We're bringing back our, our four-player Daytona setup because that is always extremely popular. Yeah, that uh, went down well, didn't it? it? It always goes down very well. In the absence of being able to bring in those huge, bulky machines, um, we still managed to get that same multiplayer experience. And everybody loves that, so that will be coming back. Uh, but there's also some really weird things we'll be doing. Uh, we, we tried it last year. We we heard rumour of cer- certain games on the Amiga and the Atari ST that could be linked up on a cross-platform play. Yeah, you did it with Lotus, didn't you? Lotus yeah, Turbo we, Challenge. That was brilliant. We, we didn't plan it. We literally did it ad hoc. We heard rumour of it. So we went fishing around for a network cable. We went fishing around for the games amongst the traders and we literally just cobbled it together last minute <laughs> and, it, and it did work. So we said a lot of people won't have seen anything like that. So we're doing that. We've got the uh, the Southwest Amiga group coming this time and uh, they're bringing us some custom some custom con- uh, custom computers that they've they've p- pieced together. I think they're like they're basically like pimped. Um, there's a pimped Acorn, a pimped Amiga. And uh, they'll be helping us set that up. So we'll be having cross cross challenges on Lotus Challenge and Stunt Car Racer is another one. We've also heard talk it might be possible to link in. I think it's I think it's an Acorn Archimedes. You can also link up to something else. And we, so right. we're looking into all that, and we're, tr- we're trying to bring these unusual combinations along. You know. Oh, excellent. Um, but yeah, we've also got. Uh, a guy bringing a load of the handhelds, Richard Tewksbury, he will be bringing his modified Game Boy selection for sale, and uh, he'll also be setting up a lot of the handheld links. We've got the Vectrexes coming back. Uh, some of the developers, um, Chris Parsons, will be coming along with some of their modified systems, and they're actually working on some new games for the Vectrex, multiplayer games, so it fits in with the theme of the event. So... We'll be having some multiplayer Vectrex games coming along, and then obviously we'll be having on your, your token, I suppose your, your fighting, you know, fighting platforms. Some of the 16-bit systems will be there with the multi-games like um, your Street Fighter, your Mortal Kombat, Smash Brothers, obviously a very popular multiplayer game. Um, and also um, the whole Rivals theme, we'll be talking about uh, systems that competed directly in the marketplace. So you had like your Spectrums and your Commodores, your Amiga yeah. ST, the Nintendo and Sega battles that, that were quite famous at the time, the handheld wars. We'll be presenting those in a way where you can directly compare the systems side by side and, um, you know, putting similar ports onto each system to, to show. And so people can discuss and, and argue as they used to in the playground about which one was best. <laughs> There'll be a lot of fanboyism popping up at this one. <laughs> yeah, it sounds a, a good idea for an event. And it's going to be brilliant. Again, you've got your arcades, you've got your pinballs, yep. you've got your consoles, you've got your on-stage competitions, you've got your talks. So it's going to be an all-round another great event. So it's a two-day job. How much is it to get in for both days or, or just one day? It's, uh, it's £12 a day or it's £20 for the weekend. Order before if you order online before the end of March and you happen to ha- own a revival membership card, uh, you can actually get your tickets a little bit cheaper. Um, which we're trying to give people the incentive to get the tickets a bit earlier last year. At some of the events, people have swamped us last minute with tickets, and we actually oversold at one event. And we don't want people to to end up in a situation where they might not possibly be able to come in. You know, these event- events have got limited capacity, so 
Um, so if people want to order before the end of March and get themselves a membership card, which gives them the discounts and the early entry as well, then mm. I think that's one of the best things to do. You can order the cards on the uh, ticket site uh, at the same time as ordering your tickets. Um, and you and the, the cards give you other, other discounts as well, don't yeah, they? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they, they give you 10% off with certain traders at the event. Like I say, they give you one hour earlier entry on both event days. So if, you, if you're a shopper, uh, especially, you want to come in and cherry-pick the traders, you've got plenty of chance to do that and save a few quid at the same time. And I suppose there's always a situation where the arcades or the pins are packed and you can't get on your favourite machine. If you want early entry, you can come in and finally get a finally get a, a game on your favourite machine before anybody else gets a chance or before mm-hmm. something breaks down. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. So it's the 20th and 21st of May, 2017. Yep, Banksy yep. Stadium. Really looking forward to it, Craig. I know it's going to be a good one again. It will, definitely. I'll bet you with any luck. <laughs> and did you mention that there might be a couple of tickets to give away for our lucky listeners? Yes, there are indeed. <laughs> um, yeah, we're giving away. Um, we're actually giving away a family ticket. So uh, I, I know a lot of a lot of people of uh, our generation. There, we've got the children and everything. So we've got giving away a family ticket that'll allow you two adults and two kids in uh, for the whole weekend. And it's worth about fifty fifty five quid, I think that is. So brilliant, thank a you. A whole family ticket to give away. So um, I suppose if you know the best way to do that, yeah, we'll we'll run a competition or some or do some as part of our high school contest, something like that. Excellent. Yeah, no problem. So yeah, we're giving away a family ticket and uh, come along, bring the family. The kids always enjoy it. Mm, brilliant. Right, thank you very much, sir. We hopefully chat a bit more nearer the time, maybe two or three weeks off, yeah, and get an update. But yeah, so far it's looking good, and I like the idea of the the rivals yeah. theme. You, you always have a theme, don't you? Which is which is different yeah. to the other guys out there. So that's always good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to keep. We're trying to keep the themes. We actually toyed the idea for a smaller event as, as this because it's a lot of a lot of effort to move along all the multiplayer. Uh, sorry to. Um, move all the equipment and that and we actually toyed with the idea of doing a small event just called the rivals where it would have been um it would have been a massive thing it just would have been a meter you know one room with the louder systems up against the walls and all the multiplayer games set up in there and um it would have just been multiplayer setups you know nothing none of the rare stuff and stuff like that so so, so what else is in the the pipeline for revival you've got quite a bit on this year haven't you already yeah yeah I, well, we've started kind of branching out. We like to support. We like to support a lot of the the local stuff. You know, there's always people doing, you know, gaming meets. You know, trying the hand, at trying to keep something going in their area. And it's very hard to find support. You know, it's it's hard enough to find it locally, but when you reach out even further, there's always big expenses involved. You know, and obviously you've got people like you got people like James, you know, he, he rents out the arcade machines to be corporate things and other yeah. events and stuff. But you can't always kind of stretch to that because it's a lot of moving about. And I understand, you know, the way – I understand the, the way James operates and things like that. But, you know, I'm trying to create little pockets of gaming and other things. So we're doing, like, other conventions. You know, we're doing, uh, we're doing a cosplay convention. We're doing several – like comic con type conventions the, the, the comic conventions they they seem to happen there's two or three every weekend throughout the year it, it's absolutely mad there's always mm. something going on 
So, you know, we, we're going along, we'll be taking a van load, we'll take in, you know, eight or nine arcade machines, we'll take a load of our console equipment and stuff like that, and we'll make a dedicated gaming area at their events. So, you know, we, we're doing quite a few things like that. The one I did yesterday is out up in Cannock. That, that'll be a regular bi-monthly meet. Uh, we just go along there with some of our custom portable machines and we set those up in there. You know, it's not always practical to take the big machines, um, but we can certainly take the portable machines in there. And obviously, they've got a big choice on there, in there? So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, so we're doing all that. Um, and like I say, we've got plans to do more dedicated revival events, but it, it all depends on the team availability and personal lives and that you know as i was saying a lot, a lot to go done to my house this year i can't put that off anymore <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah but i'm hoping that we can the what the, the one big plan i've got is something i want to work on with um with a with a certain person and if we can get that underway it'll be a, a special thing for the arcade bods so brilliant get that one underway maybe later this year maybe early next year we that that'll be something special That's something i just want to do personally really yeah so just one last question behind the scenes right from the original idea of revivals to the actual inception and it taking place how long does it take to organize and plan takes a year oh god it takes a year we we sit down after the we sit down after one event and we always promise ourselves right well we'll have a break now we take two or three weeks off and then next thing you know you'll have the venue phoning you up saying, can you book for next year? Because well, <laughs> they, they, they want the business back for one. But, but with so many people booking weddings and things like that now, people need these big venues, you know what I mean? And uh, especially in this area, we get a lot of um, things like the Asian weddings, quite a lot. And the Asian weddings are always huge, you know, big family affairs, you know, thousands mm. of people. And um, a lot of these venues specialise in those. And if you don't, you don't book early, you're not getting in. So um, we, we usually try and stick with the, the same venues, but then the, the planning all comes in is trying to find, trying to make sure everybody who supports you regularly is on board, trying to make sure you're getting all your dates straight so everyone, we know people aren't going on holiday. Um, and, and then it's just arranging the logistics. And when you start getting new people saying, well, we can do this and, and we can bring that, you've then got to factor that into your costs and, it's oh, it's a logistical nightmare. Logistics is always the biggest thing with these events, without a doubt. Um, Retro Asylum handle all our guests now, which is handy. Yeah. I made some connections on myself for this one, but um, you know, we're, we're pulling a lot of suggestions from the team. Each every member of the team has got a different idea, and uh, as well as providing a lot of their own equipment, because you know we're all big collectors. Um, they like to, you know, have an input and say, well, can we try this this year? Can we try that? So w- once you've kind of got a, an outline of the event, then you start tacking the little things on. And yeah. what we put last year is we'd taken a year and a half out from doing our last major event um, because we'd reorganised the team. We'd had to start from scratch on a budget and um, – you know, th- that took a lot of planning because we have to get people to find confidence in us again to say, listen, we're back, we're doing full scale again. And uh, getting everybody on board who is otherwise involved in another event, you know, there's a lot of events going on now. So easily a year of planning every mm-hmm. time. Six months solid 
definite every time. And three months of me um, absolutely crapping myself because I've got to find the <laughs> for it all. So. Oh, God. Well, best of luck, and we'll chat, like I said, a bit more nearer the time about it. But thanks for your time. I know you're busy. Yeah, no worries. No worries. Yeah, thank you, Craig. Cheers. You can download or play the podcast, read all the show notes, and leave feedback at www.10pencearcade.co.uk. You can email me at vertvic at 10pencearcade.co.uk. You can also reach us on our Facebook page. You can tweet me at 10 and you can tweet Sean at Sean Holly. We'd love to hear from you for game suggestions, arcade pickups and stories, or any of your personal thoughts on anything we may have covered. 